Welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and I want to welcome back my co-host, Chris K. Chris, I'm glad to have you back behind the mic today. I hope you're feeling better. I am glad to be back. Um, yeah, for the listeners, I've been sick for a couple weeks. Uh, we had a, a short hiatus when uh, Kenneth went on vacation for a week, but then I got really sick. I had an upper respiratory infection, could sounded like a frog, could barely talk, so... Uh, yeah, I had to take a couple weeks off, but I'm glad to be back. Well, it is wonderful, and I'm really happy that you're back. I'm glad that we get to do the show again together. And so today, we're once again going back to the 80s for a head-to-head that no one saw coming. This band began in 1980, released their first LP in 1982, known for their motto, Death to False Metal. Today, it's Man of Wars Fighting the World versus Kings of Metal. After signing their major label record contract, Manowar released their 1987 album, Fighting the World, to generally good response, and MTV picked up on their music video, Blow Your Speakers, which got some decent airplay on the channel. Their follow-up LP, Kings of Metal, came out a year later and became their most successful album to date. Today we put these two albums of steel head-to-head to see which one rides into glory and which one heads to Valhalla. Will it be Fighting the World or will it be Kings of Metal? So, Chris, this isn't a show that's been in the making for nearly two months. Virtually, we've had it in our back pocket for about a month, a little over a month. And now we finally come to fruition to talk about the Kings of Steel, Man of War. Has it, has it really been that long? It has. Because, we, you know, I, I was out with, uh, with vacation and we missed a, missed a week there. Um, then you were you missed two episodes, and I believe there was a, a week we didn't put anything out at all. So between all that, it was I think we had started this about a month over a month ago to, to do this uh, show. Wow. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's it's about time we talk about these uh, these guys that think they're the gods of metal. <laughs> <laughs> so for all our fans out there, Man of War has been one of these bands that we didn't know what we wanted to do with them. And so we finally decided, let's uh, let's pick two of their better albums. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of debate as to which of their two best albums there are, they have. Uh, we, or me really, because I'm the one who suggested the episode. Um, I've, I've put Fighting the World, because to me that's their most popular. Kings of Steel apparently has sold the most for them. So that being the case... These are their two first out al- the two albums the the the, the two albums that came out. F- Let me say this correctly now. <laughs> their major label debut. These are the first two albums to come out when they signed their contract with Atlantic. So, all right. Um, what what do you want to say about Manowar? <laughs> because they are such a unique band. It's very interesting because there is a part of me being a huge nerd over the years, you know, liking very nerdy things, growing up on metal, that I feel like I should like Man of War more than I do. Um, But there is a huge part of me also that goes, man, these guys are freaking geeks. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Um, I really like Ross the Boss. I think him as their lead guitarist was their best era. Um, I won't say much about Carl Logan. Um, I think if, if you don't know about him, look him up. 
um, it kind of. But I think you have to kind of think of the band as the band, and let music speak for itself. Separate the art from the artist. Um, but overall, there's some cool stuff that Ma- that Manowar has done. Um, they they do push boundaries, which I do appreciate. Like there's sometimes where they go too far and the stuff becomes just cringy over the top. But other times it's really cool that they did push the boundaries and try something different. Cause there's a lot of bands out there that, that never try to do anything. Like they just stay in their lane the whole time. And I can respect man of war for doing that. Um, but that being said, they're not a, a favorite of mine, but they do have a few songs that I really love. Well, that's good. I, you know, for me, I, you know, I caught on to them in the middle eighties. Um, and you know, fighting the world was, you know, I, it wasn't necessarily my first exposure to them, but it was the most exposure that I had, had gotten from them. Cause I had seen their albums specifically. I had seen the single all men play on 10 from the sign of the hammer album. Every time I went to a particular record store, in, in when I grew up in Yonkers, I went to that same store. So obviously the the the, the sing, either the single sold a lot and they kept replacing it, or it didn't sell at all and it was there for months on end. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept seeing all men play on ten. I knew about that song. I had never heard it, but there was a, this this desire to want to buy it. But I just didn't really feel like dropping twelve dollars on two songs because it was an A side and a B side. That was it. Um. And so, you know, like there were other pressing bands that I would rather, or pressing songs that I would rather have heard from bands, you know, like Twisted Sister, because, you know, they their singles were pretty cool and they were popular and all that good stuff. But, and that was the way I dealt with Man of War back then, until they, you know, until they, they became, you know, MTV darlings, if you want to put it that way, uh, with the Fighting the World album and the song Blow Up Your Speakers. So anyway, I must say this about Man of War. They are definitely not shy about talking about themselves as the greatest band ever to live. <laughs> not at all. Talking about, you know, Joey DeMeo talking about himself as, you know, one of the greatest bass players. Although he doesn't do that as much as he touts Eric Adams as being the greatest front man in heavy metal history. So we're going to go ahead and put Fighting the World up against Kings of Steel. So let's go over the specs real quick on Fighting the World. That album was released on February 17th, 1987 on Atco Records. It was produced by Man of War and recorded at Universal Recording in Chicago, Illinois. All the songs were written by Joey DeMeo. Um, if you look at the album credits, it actually says all the music's written by Man of War. But ultimately, it came out somewhere on there. It says uh, Joey DeMeo and uh, lyrics are Joey DeMeo. And I think on Kings of Steel, there's a, there's a couple credits for Ross the Boss. It's really weird because I could have swore it was one of those situations where it was like a full band type of thing. But I think they put it that way as, you know, all songs written by Manowar just to split the publishing. Um, okay. But it is it is well known that Joey DeMeo is the main and pretty much only songwriter for the band. All right, so let's start with the first song on the album, Fighting the World. Um, all right, so for me, and, and 
I think everybody who's listened to the show get has kind of got the idea of how I break down songs compared to Chris. And so when we combine it all together, it kind of gives a, a good idea of how the song goes. So for me, Fighting the World starts off with these pounding drums that you know lead into a relatively catchy song. I mean, the chorus is real catchy. I like the solo on here, especially kind of it's got that like a machine gun style sounding chugging that goes on. Um, it's got a sing-along part at the end that ensures that this song is a concert staple. So to lead off the album, this is not a bad song. I mean, it's not a bad song, um, but it is really basic. Um, I, you know, part of me thinks like they were trying to play off of the Kiss playbook. You know, like a lot of the stuff that Kiss did in the 70s, I feel like they're doing here like 11 years later. Um, so... And by, by that, I mean, like, we're Destroyer, where they really started to figure out, like, how to be commercially successful beyond, you know, the, their bluesy stuff and their, you know, probably more um, studio-generated kind of era. Um, so I feel it. There's, there's not the similarity in the music's exactly the same, but what I mean is, like, that we only have to write four or five lyrics for this song and then that's it that we just repeat that over and over and it becomes catchy and um you know it's it's not a bad opener but it's not my favorite by any means oh i get you i i totally understand that one i mean i forgot what song it was we were listening to recently where it's just like it literally repeats the same verse if i'm not mistaken three times i know at least twice i can't remember what song it is but it's one of those things where it's like you couldn't think of anything else? I mean, it's four lines. Really? Come on. Right. <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying. I mean, Fighting the World to me is catchy. Uh, it's not their best song, but it's a catchy. So it's it's a good start to an album that is actually not bad. So um, the second song in the album is the song Blow Your Speakers. It was the MTV song. Um, and so this, to me, is is typical Man of War storytelling lyrics. Um, they, they're... So... You and I have had this conversation before about particular singers that sing in a, a particular style that's kind of like sentences, that they're just talking, and each sentence leads into the next, that leads into the next, and it, it and even though they rhyme in many cases, it's just one of these things where it, it's more conversational rather than poetry. And yeah. the one thing I figured out, that there's a common theme with this, <laughs> there's a common thread between all these singers we're talking about. D. Snyder is one of them. Uh, Joey DeMeo is one of them. And it's not, not about singers, but more like songwriters and lyricists. Um, Joey DeMeo and, and even Eric Adams, because he's part of it. And um, Mark Tornillo from Accept. And guess what? They're all from New York. And maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But this so this song has that style of lyrics they're, they're telling a story you know i wrote a letter to my mtv you know hey i said what's going on don't you think about me you know so it's it's really one of these weird kind of stories it's cool when you're a kid as an adult it's kind of like goofy you know but i i like it um this the chorus has got a little bit of a start stop kind of cool and catchy um and the, the way he sings it, because he's having this conversation, he's kind of reading a letter almost uh, to, to, to MTV. It, it almost sounds like he's rapping. 
So it's almost kind of like Manowar trying to be in t- in tune with the times uh, as, you know, rap and, and rock were beginning a lot of crossover things at this time in the, in the middle to late eighties. Um, so it, it was, it's a cool song. I, I, I don't know how else is to put it. I mean, it's the only single that was released from the album. It was the only video that was released from the album. Um, so it, it is, uh, it's and it's actually one of the only videos they actually have in their catalog. So I don't know. What what did you think about the song? So, I mean, a lot of the same points that you made. Um, where this is kind of that mandatory MTV song that that you know even by just saying MTV in the song, it's like a cheap pop in wrestling. You know, where they go to the crowd and they're like, "It's good to be here in Florida." You know, stuff like that. So, it, it it's one of those that like like you said, as a kid, it's pretty cool. As you get older, it seems real cheesy. Where you know, it's it's obvious what they were trying to do to get on MTV, but it's, it's understandable too because as we know and we learn more and more about the music industry and how much it is uh, manipulated by the people behind the scenes rather than the actual talent that that plays the the music itself. Um, I I kind of get them doing something like this to grasp for more mainstream appeal um but for me like it's exactly that i i i think of it strictly as something that that they are trying to hit the mainstream and i don't enjoy it a whole lot but it's not a bad track i mean for me you know having heard man of war before it's it's almost more poppy than than the stuff they've done before um, it's you know it's it's very evident that it is looking to cross over into the mainstream, whether the yeah. mainstream is metal or not. You know, in that particular in this particular case, that's you know that was determined back then, right? But you know, like they were obviously never a heavy heavy band. You know, not, not one of these. You know, uh, they're a metal band. You know, put it that way, and they. This song was definitely looking to hit uh, the crossover, you know, in, not in terms of rap or crossover, but crossing over into the mainstream. Just crossing over mainstream. Right, yeah, exactly. I, I, no, no specific genre crossover. Right, right, exactly. All right, so um, the, the next song, the, the Blow Your Speakers leads into the next song, which is Carry On. Um, this song is interesting to me. It's got an acapella intro with some guitar accompaniment. It almost sounds like it's going to be a ballad at the beginning. And then it just picks up, gets into this really catchy chorus. And then when it speeds up, the verse melody is really good. Um, and then the chorus translates well when it speeds up the tempo. Um, this one is definitely one of these concert sing-along style choruses. Um, and it... it it's it's one of those things that kind of makes you feel good about yourself to some degree, um, but it, I, I I like the fact that it went from slow to quick, and the the chorus still lent itself to either one. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, it's a, it's another kind of corny song, but it is uplifting, like you said, like that that uh, like carry on being the concept, of like not giving up, you know. So if if you can kind of separate it from the stuff that came before it, I think it, it works even better 
because it has that that good message behind it. And I think a lot of times Man of War has that. It it's easy to get caught up in the cheesiness of it and sometimes like the the narcissism of the, you know, singing about themselves. But sometimes they have some really good tracks that that have a you know stronger meaning behind them i guess and so what like again this isn't really one of my favorites but like if if there was a camp for metal like you go just to to go for metal you know this would be a camp song metal metal sleepaway camp (laughs) yeah metal metal sleepaway camp (laughs) i i that definitely i agree with that that is a really good way to think about that song all right so that leads into the next song, which is Violence and Bloodshed. Well, there's a completely different view right there. Yeah. Um, just, so Street Chaos intros As Hulk Hogan would say, it's a 360, brother. <laughs> which is totally wrong because it's a 180, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Way to go. Okay, so <laughs> that's what he said. I it know. Was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Spin it all the way around. Okay, violence and bloodshed. So this song starts with street chaos, um, and then it you know it, be, it kind of fades into a a really chuggy riff. I think that riff is pretty cool. I like this song a lot. Um, it's a relatively simple song, and the verse has some melody to it. Um, but it's a simple chorus. I mean, it's violence and bloodshed repeated over and over and over again. It gets louder each time. And then he screams at the end. And I, I don't know. It's, it's very fast, frenetic paced song, but there's something mm-hmm. about it that I really like. Yeah. I mean, it's to me when I first heard it, I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm like, this is, this is a pretty cool track. There's something about it. Like I can see it fitting into a movie like the warriors, you know, the, the, the movie with the gangs all fighting each other, you know, eighties kind of style. I thought that um, was like Patty Smythe in the scandal. <laughs> yes. That's, she was one of the warriors. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, um, the, the, the thing is like, it has a really cool va- uh, face. It has a really cool riff, but it has really farty bass. <laughs> and and it works somehow. It's kind of weird sounding, but it works. Um, and the other thing is the solo is very hectic sounding, but in the context of the song, it works really well because it is so um, panicked kind of sounding throughout the track. Yeah, the, this it, the, that whole frenetic pace is just, it's kind of weird. And it, it, like you said, yeah, it's frantic. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, really interesting just the dichotomy of the song because they do everything the same way it's almost like they're running away from something like you know you're you're driving a car and you're looking behind you and all that stuff and everything is just this real fast pace yeah that's the way the song is and it's it's still cool in and of itself in that way so go to song five it slows down dramatically we're going to the song defender now um, so this is a re-recording of a song that came out in 1983. Um, this version has been rearranged. It's much better than the original that came out in 83. Um, the narration is by Orson Welles. Um, if you don't know who he is, uh, Google him, Wikipedia him if you want. Uh, he's a really cool actor. Uh, and it is 
the 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 stuff that Orson Welles does on this track is actually a different take than what he does on the original track. Um, and then the vocal performance by Eric Adams on this is much better than the one than the original. And I have to compare it to the original. If if anyone out there knows the two, um, it's it's you you kind of have to listen to them to understand. The difference is though. If you haven't heard the song, then this performance in general is just fantastic. Um, I mean, this song, the storytelling on this song is, is awesome. I love the whole vibe of the song. I love the whole, uh, the, 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 the story, the meaning behind it is super cool. It's a little emotional to me at times if I start thinking about certain things in my life. But other than that, I think this is a really cool song. Yeah, I mean... The, the opening is read by Orson Welles, like you said. Um, he's an actor that had a lot of gravitas. You know, he has a, a, a little bit deeper voice, especially as he got older. And this was really only a few years before he died. Um, I think the original was recorded in 82, and this one was uh, 87. So right. that would have been a couple, just a couple of years after he passed away. Yeah, um, he, but he, he just, I'm sorry to cut you off. His, he, he did a, work on the the debut album in 1982 and they they worked on they worked with him uh to do some more stuff uh that ended up being the demo for for D- defender that came out the year later sorry yeah so th- honestly th- th- what's interesting is this and transformers the movie from 1986 were the last couple of projects he worked on so um very odd end to his career um but you know the 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 their spoken word sections at the beginning are really cool the only thing that i thought was a little weird was at the end there is a chorus that um orson wells reads it's a four-line chorus and it's uh sung over as well and i almost feel like they should have just left the vocal lines and then maybe it fade into orson wells version of it at the end rather than just them kind of overlapping because it's it just sounds a bit weird and it makes it harder to understand what's being said to some degree um but overall it's a it's a pretty cool song you know i i don't have a problem with that part um it is funny because you know obviously singing along in the car i have to pick a part you know which one which part do i want to sing do i want to sing the low spoken orson welles part or do i want to sing the high you know, very high pitched in some, well, not even high pitched, but just a, the, the higher toning of Eric Adams. Or just alternate every word. I, I could. Yeah. And that it would be really hard to do, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I usually go with the Orson Welles part just because I know it's easier to, to, to my voice, <laughs> but, um, I, you know, I, I, uh, I think it's, it doesn't bother me whatsoever in that regard. So, That's fair I, enough. but I understand what you're saying. Okay, so the next track on the album, um, now this one's weird, Drums of Doom, okay, it is a, a, a minute and 15 second instrumental that for me, the beginning sounds like a bunch of horses and you know they're, they're riding into whatever they're riding into uh, and then it switches and it kind of fades out and then fading in at the same time is this rhythmic drumming um, up against a backdrop of thunder and rain. Uh, in my opinion, this doesn't fit into the storyline at all. 
if there is one. So I, I it's kind of like, you know, what is this all about and why is this happening type of thing? Because it really, to me, doesn't even blend itself into the next song. Uh, so did you I'm have anything to say about it? I'm going to disagree a little bit on that because it, it does, to me, lead into Holy War. You know, it's because if you, if you think about it, it's, you know, horses and drums leading into kind of a battle. And that kind of encompasses what the next song would be, which is kind of a, a battle, a war of, you know, violence and bloodshed, etc. Um, so I do feel like maybe these last four tracks all kind of fit together, whereas the rest of them are almost individuals. You know what? You know now. Now that you put it that way, where, where you, if you take the last three songs, "Holy War," "Master of Revenge," and "Black and Fire and Steel," that might have you know there might be something connected to them. Maybe not. It's I, like a I see, trilogy with an opening kind of right. Thing. Exactly. So I, I I can see that. It's just to me, it's just so weird because I'm like it, it's you know it's called it's not drums necessary. Of, no, yeah. it's not definitely not necessary, and, and it's funny because it's called Drums of Doom. So I was expecting this, you know, this really heavy pounding, and really, Same. it doesn't <laughs> do what it's titled. <laughs> so yeah, I was a little disappointed that the drums didn't come in until towards the end, and even then, it was more just like war drums. Where it's not a bad thing, you know, it, it has a, a it's setting a mood per se, but I, I guess I was kind of expecting more, right. So when and we mentioned it leads into the song Holy War. Holy War is this fictional story uh, in a very generic sense about religious warriors up against the brothers of metal. Um, it's uh, yeah, really, I, it, that is exactly what the story is. And it's just very strange because, you know, you, you it's almost I mean, it's fiction. So you're 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 buying into it. You're buying into this whole concept of these metal warriors and they're you know, but why are the metal warriors going up against the, you know, these religious warriors? You know? Uh maybe it, it's a it's a it's a, a nod to what was happening with the satanic panic in the early eighties and the PMRC just a couple of years earlier. Who knows? Um, but performance wise, the song is okay. Um, I think there are better, uh, it's better than a lot of the other Man of War songs in their catalog, but still, you know, it's not super standout-ish, you know, as far as, you know, oh, I got a, you know, this is going to be like top 10 Man of War song. All right. So I, I, I agree with you for the most part. Um, I think the biggest drawback to this track is that the opening is rather drawn out like it's it's drawn out for a while about a good half of the song before the song actually becomes really quite good after that so it, that's that's kind of the downside it, it's not even like how iron maiden will have a long opening um it's just it's the same opening for you know the first minute or so and that's that's kind of the problem with it. But other than that, like I think I think the second half of the song is actually really good. And um, you know, I, I wish it was a little bit shorter opening, but it's good. I mean, the one thing I can say is Man of War knows you know how to write a catchy chorus, so that's for sure. sure. Uh, this is this has got a catchy chorus. The, the verses are a little generic on this one. Um, so the the next song is Masters of or Master of Revenge. Um, so. This is a short interlude before the, the, the last track. You know, it's kind of apocalyptic sounding. Uh, sounds like a storm is brewing. 
you know, spoken words are are like a warning of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, so if this was a concept album, it would make a lot of sense. But it's not a concept album. So it almost feels like we, like you and I just talked about, that these last three songs, you know, or last four, let's put it, you know, six, seven, eight, and nine. These last four tracks, we put it that way, um, all belong together, and they tell this story. Um, and and that could very well be the whole premise behind it, but it doesn't necessarily come out that way i guess you could say uh so this plays more into this this song is more of an uh, an intro to the final track and it really should have just been one track together these these two bits because black wind fire and steel is obviously the song um what do you have to say about master of revenge i mean it's just kind of a noisy bridge between the two songs (laughs) right like there's not much to it so it, it leads into Black Wind, Fire, and Steel. Um, Fast-picking intro with acapella vocals begins this track. Uh, verse melody is really cool, in my opinion. Uh, the chorus has a really nice gallop to it, and it's, again, very catchy. Um, the only thing I can say about this song, it, the, the actual song itself ends around the four-minute mark, but it has this overbloated, elongated finale that stretches the song to just about five almost five minutes and then it kind of just fades for like the last several seconds almost 20 seconds um and to me that's just absolutely unnecessary but i really like this song so it's one of those things where you kind of have to deal with it if you want to listen to the whole song but for the most part the first four minutes are are, to me are awesome i mean the ending doesn't bother me that much um i i think the track as a whole this is this is the main event of the album for sure like it it is the best track on the album um you know i wish there had been more like it throughout because you know there's there's a lot of variety here there's there's not as much um cohesiveness here as on some of the other manowar albums um, so I wish there had been more stuff like Black Wind, Fire, and Steel. Um, solos really quite fitting. Um, you know, I think, and I kind of failed to mention this, I think the, the solo on Holy War is probably the best on the album. This would definitely be the second best. And it, it's only because the, the composition of the solo on Holy War, I think, is the best on the album. Like, it's the most thought out. It's the most... Um, you know weighty and as far as emotional content goes whereas this one is more just like fitting to the track very well and it's very well constructed but it's not as as complicated in a way and i don't mean just hitting a million notes i mean it's it's composed very well so um to me this is by far the best track on the album okay cool i mean i i like the song a lot so it's it's a I do think it's a very good song. Um, so overall, for me, this album it was cool when it came out in 1987 because I was 18 years old, you know. And analyzing lyrics and melodies wasn't really a serious thing for me back in that in those days, you know. Um, so the cool factor for this album was for me was a lot higher, especially compared to the way it is now. Um, I still like the album. I think it's a pretty good album. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't have done as well as it did. I think there's something about it where, whereas 
in you know from song to song to song it may not necessarily be a cohesive thing you know concept wise or 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 uh, lyric wise but i think as an album that came out in 1987 you know s- you know sonically it all goes together and it it definitely gives this album you know something you know for people to like you know to me like i said there's 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 a lot to like with the melodies the performance on this album is really good but overall it doesn't hold up as well as it you know in comparison to today's stuff you know it it, there is that cheese factor that that is is in there you know well this is kind of why i compare it to destroyer in a way whereas destroyer is like you said sonically very cohesive like everything sounds good together but the tracks are all kind of over the place because they were trying to to maximize their mainstream appeal and i also feel like that's what's being done here not to as good of effect but um they were trying to do the same kind of thing i i'll be honest if i'm if i'm grading this as a whole album I'd, I don't like it very much, but I like a lot of the things that are going on. Like I like a few of the tracks, uh, specifically uh, Black Wind, Fire and Steel, um, Holy War is quite good, Violence and Bloodshed. Those are the highlights to me, um, whereas there's a lot of just kind of filler and almost directionlessness uh, throughout the album. But, um, you know, I can see it's it's kind of like a bridge between two eras of the band and i guess we'll kind of more expound upon that as we get into the next album all right so speaking of the next album uh the next album was kings of metal which was released november 18th 1988 on atlantic records it was produced by man of war and it was once again recorded at universal recording in chicago illinois um, all the songs were written once again by Joey DeMeo, except for Kings of Metal and Hail and Kill. Uh, that was written by Joey DeMeo and Ross the Boss. And the song Sting of the Bumblebee was adapted by Joey DeMeo, uh, which was originally written by Nikolai Rimsky Korsakov. And we'll talk a little bit more about him later on this album. Uh, so before we start the album, I want to mention one more thing about Fighting the World. Um, it's kind of a funny story. So um, there is a TV show, and and maybe some of you listeners will remember it. Uh, it's called Metalocalypse. It ran on Adult Swim um, good 15 years ago at this point. And it's a cartoon uh, where there's a musician, Brendan Small, who had a lot of other musicians come on the show. He had guest stars constantly. Um, I, I think... James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett had both little cameos. Um, they, man, there were so many. King Diamond was on there one time. It just, it was, it was a lot of fun. Very gory, very, very goofy, all about metal. And so there was an episode where they had a, a fashion designer come onto the show and he fitted them with outfits that looked just like the Man of War outfits on the cover of, of Fighting the World. But they had all gained weight and they were kind of, you know, 
pudgy out of their 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 outfits and he's saying you don't look at all like what you, what's on the album cover and they're talking about how they photoshopped it and you know gave them muscles and everything which was kind of true of the guys in man of war where they were not nearly as muscular as what they portrayed themselves to be so it was just kind of like a little tiny jab at the band which i thought was hilarious <laughs> well don't tell it to joey de mayo he's he's very fit <laughs> yes his his <laughs> armor that he wears is very muscular um so <laughs> so well though eric adams you know he's got a belly his, he's got a belly and gives himself you know a six-pack a six-pack just yeah. play uh but that's funny <clears throat> all right so kings of metal starts off with wheels of fire um the, str- the track starts with one of the worst recordings of a hot rod engine starting that i've ever heard but after that, the main riff is actually really good. It's a lightning-paced opener that shows, even in this kind of more commercial era, uh, Ross the Boss really has chops, and it has a killer solo. I think it's a great opening. It's 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 funny that you say it's like the worst recorded, because you know you would think that for for a band who is who you know considered themselves to be so sonically superior to everybody else, that they would have been able to put a microphone right next to the muffler pipe. <laughs> you know, instead of like down the street <laughs> it was but, like they were they were recording it you know no they didn't want to be seen like they, you know they were trying to hide that they were recording it or something it um, sounds maybe, so far away it's yeah. just bad and here's the funny thing so in some cases when when bands re-record their albums or you know, their songs they'll update one or two things to be of the times you know, mm-hmm. Man of War used the same exact track, uh, same exact motorcycle track or, or car hot rod track, or whatever it is that they use. I, I believe it's the same thing on the the re-recording of the album. Wow. Don't, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly positive because I listened to this, like I said, about a month ago, <laughs> and I don't remember now if it was the same thing, but I, I'm almost positive that it's the same exact recording. But uh, I agree with you. It's, cool. it's, it's what? Maybe they thought it sounded cool. <laughs> they were Maybe. wrong. Um, I, it is a it is a fast song. I I like that it's a fast song. Um, so I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's about a car or a motorcycle. You know, I, I'm 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 almost feeling you know because they're these you know they're these warriors of steel and these they always have their horses that it would be a motorcycle, but that the everything to me sounds like you know lyrically that they're talking about a car but i could be wrong you know it's definitely not a motorcycle engine it's got to be a hot rod engine right that's what i that's what i was thinking and also you know motorcycles don't do that much skidding if you hear a motorcycle skidding they're wrecking pretty (laughs) much yeah you know you're gonna hear the, the, the the sound of metal hitting the floor pretty quickly after you hear a motorcycle skid so um but cars you know you hear them skid all the time so my guess is it's it's race cars but it's a it's a pretty cool song it's a good opener yes um so track two is kings of metal the title track so there to me when i listen to this there's a, a similarity to green man alishi uh but with just much dumber lyrics um you better watch out. You better not cry. Man of War is coming to town to <laughs> kick your ass. 
it's it's so goofy, but it's still cool. Like it's fun, you know. It's nineteen eighty eight. Okay. <laughs> um, it's true. It's it's an auto. It's definitely an autobiographical song. Um, the riff is really cool, despite the lyrics oozing with melted mozzarella cheese. <laughs> um, other bands play Man of War Kills, so <laughs> that's all you have to know about that one. Cheese. <laughs> All right, track three is Heart of Steel. Uh, So the first half is a soft ballad. It picks up with metal instrumentation in the second half. It has a very dramatic theatrical feel, like a lot of later stuff that would come in their career. Um, So it's, it's interesting because you can kind of see the direction that they'll take in the future. You know, some of the theatrical stuff that they started on the last album, they really amp it up here. <laughs> my 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 two lines of notes on this is almost identical to what you just said. Oh, really? Uh, okay. I said first half of the song is Eric Adams on the piano, so it's it's a a cappella with you know with accompaniment and it's slow, and then the band comes in and makes it grander. When it makes it grander, the song reminds me of a Broadway play. And what is a Broadway play? Theater. Theatrical. So, yeah, I, I completely 100% agree with the, with the, exactly what you said. Yeah. Um, it is it, it has got that feel to it. But, you know, i put it this way. The intro to Carry On, to me, is better than this. Oh, yeah. Agreed. So, so there you go. Well, track four, Sting of the Bumblebee. Um, well, it's Flight of the Bumblebee with the most farty disor- sounding <laughs> distortion you could have. Um, honestly, if I never hear Flight of the Bumblebee again in my life, I'm happy. I hate this song. What, what, you don't like Flight of the Bumblebee? I, I'm so tired of it. You don't, you, like, you don't like Rimsky-Korsakoff? I, I am not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> He's not on my playlist. Man, you're, you're just everyone goes to Flight of the Bumblebee to show off how skilled they are by playing fast notes. And I'm sorry, just playing fast is not enough to be skillful. I've how heard dare there's you? there's how this guy ins- that says he's the he plays it the fastest in the world, and it's so sloppy that how do you consider that the fastest in the world? Then that seems to be the benchmark of, of sloppy players trying to show off their skill. And I'm just, I'm over Flight of the Bumblebee. Now you're saying Joey did it sloppy? I think it's sloppy, yes. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> how dare you insult Nuno Betancourt? <laughs> Nuno is one of the few exceptions that actually played it skillfully. That being said, I still don't want to hear it. <laughs> well, Joey DeMeo plays the piccolo bass. So a lot of people out there may not know what the difference is, but the piccolo bass is um, just a higher tuned bass. It's like somewhere in between the bass and a guitar. Yeah, some people um, get confused and think it's a guitar. It's not. Right, it's not. It's not a guitar. So the strings are slightly different. Um, then, you know... So it, it's a, a piccolo bass speed metal version of Flight of the Bumblebee. Um, you know, for those who don't know, it is the, an orchestral interlude from the opera, the, the Tale of the Tsar Sultan, 
or Saltan. Um, and it's composed by Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov. So that is where I mentioned at the beginning that we would talk about them again later. Um, I mean, I'm kind of used to this because Joey did the same thing in the first album with uh, William. He called it William's Tale, and it was William's, uh, the, the William Tell Overture. And, you know, basically the Lone Ranger theme, you know, played at a million miles an hour. That one, I, I, I can understand where you say it's slightly sloppy. Um, I think, the, I think William's Tale on, on Battle Hymns, the first album, is actually done really, really well uh, for as fast as he plays it. Um, I actually think it's a better version than, or better way to show off his chops than, than Sting of the Bumblebee. I 100% agree, and it's not as overdone, so it doesn't bother me as much, but this one, I'll pass every time. Right, and he also did uh, the song Thunder Pick on, on a different album. And that it's just basically Joey's way to, you know, show off his virtuosity. I was going to say farting on the instrument. Farting on the instrument. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, but this one, this one actually has full band accompaniment uh, as opposed to the other two that are solo. So you're just, you're just playing off my word farty now. <laughs> You said that, and then all I'm thinking is, like, you know, almost like the the bass bass notes that that that, that come on um back from more from rat. <laughs> There's a bass note that just <laughs> yes. every so often. <laughs> uh, well, oh, it's a little farty. So. It, it's very farty. <laughs> all right, so track five, the crown and the crown and the ring, lament of the kings. Um, you know. It's very dramatic and it's orchestral. I like it. It's, you know, it's a long kind of nearly five minute build up for the next track, Kingdom Come. But I think it's kind of cool. Like, yeah, it's not a metal song per se, but like it fits the vibe of who Man of War is. And I don't mind it. Huh. Interesting. Interesting take. You don't mind it. Uh <laughs> I, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on that one. It's the way I looked at it when I heard the song is "Welcome to the Church of Manowar." Pretty much, um, the song is mostly a cappella with a pipe organ, and the can what is it? Canal Deer Male Choir accompanying Eric Adams. It's interesting. I'll put it that way. I, you say you don't mind it. I, I don't see the point. <laughs> I, I think it's just one of those things that Man Award does. And I, and I don't know a better way to say it than that. Because there are times they just do things. You know? Well, remember, other bands play <laughs> Man Award Kill. <laughs> That's true. Um, and like I said in the, in the previous album, they try to push the boundaries sometimes and do something beyond. And they also see themselves in this kind of grandiose way. And so I think it fits their vibe completely. I can see why some people would like it and I can see why some people don't. I think it's nice sounding. Um, It could fit into a movie. And there are times in later albums, um, and I'll be completely upfront about this during when we talked about these albums. Emmanuel has a few albums with very similar names, and I listened to the wrong album by accident, 
and I was like, this sucks. Why did he pick this? <laughs> and then I realized I was listening to the wrong album. Um, and that was, um, what's the name of that one? Triumph um, of Steel. No, um, something of the... Oh, no, Warriors of the World. That's Warriors right. of the World. Uh, I don't have a lot of good stuff to say about that album. There are some really good tracks on there. Don't get me wrong. There's like three or four really good tracks. The rest is a bunch of weird fluff. Um, but <laughs> that's kind of what I expect out of this band. Like, and and I don't. If you're a fan of Manowar and you're listening to me talk about this, like, I have I have a, an odd respect for the band because they do what they want to do, and they're they are, you know a hundred percent behind it they don't make any qualms about who they are and they don't try to just like even though yes they are trying to find mainstream appeal here in this this and this album and the previous album it's not in the same way they're not selling out they're doing their thing and so i respect that but i also find it weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know I, I totally I'm totally with you I get that I mean I respect it they, you know it's it, you have to you know why because they're the ones who sit there and determine who's metal and who's not you know you got to knock on their door to get their approval and mm-hmm. so if they're going to say that you know singing with a, a men's choir is is metal then all right it's metal so I mean if they're going to do a metal version of American Trilogy then all mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, track six is Kingdom Come. Um, you know, it's a bit commercial and simplistic, but it's a nice listen. And uh, the highlight of this track for me is definitely the solo at the two-minute mark. Um, you know, coming out of Crown in the Ring, I maybe I was expecting a little more, but I, it's a nice track. It's not bad. Wow. You have nice words. <laughs> to me, this is slow and plodding. Uh, for me, it's not a good song. Uh, the regular chugging type riff, uh, it's got no standard song structure to me. Um, the chorus is kind of mixed in with the verse. Um, to me, the melody isn't catchy. It really doesn't do anything for me other than want to hit the skip button. <laughs> I, I can see that for you because you you don't like these kind of songs that much. But for me, it's more of like it's a metal version of like a, a soundtrack song, you know, and that's where it, it's more just melodies than it is see, anything that's, else. See, that's funny though, because if if I know a song is meant for a soundtrack, I I listen to it differently. Well, this is you not know? meant for a soundtrack, but that's <laughs> that's what ends up happening with a lot of their stuff. Is if we it, and I think maybe because I heard their later career before I heard their earlier stuff, I, mean, I kind may, of that might have a lot to do with it because I have not paid a lot of attention to Man of War's latter career at all. Um, I've you know this last song that they released is just like man, hit me with a cheese grater, why don't you? <laughs> um, but you know. I, I mean, I like the song Warriors of the World. I think that's a really cool song. But, you know, I, I really didn't pay any attention for, for of anything after Triumph of Steel. So if you so. listen to a newer Man of War album, it basically goes like this. There's a song talking about how Man of War is the greatest thing that ever existed. Then there's a song that's talking about warriors fighting in battle. And then there are random tracks that sound like they're supposed to be part of a soundtrack and then some weird cover that doesn't 
make any sense. And that's pretty much their formula. So, <laughs> see, like, like when when I found out, like, like, like Kirk Hammett's solo EP, right? Yeah. When I found out that he kind of designed it to be like a soundtrack to these horror movies type of thing, that that's how it was influenced to him. Yeah, I completely look at those songs differently. They're not. Your kind, they're not songs meant for the radio. They're not, you know, little ditties that are three minutes long and they're a pop hit. They're, they're these instrumentals that are meant to be, you know, used as accompaniment. So I understood it. But when a band does that as a regular song in the middle of an album that's definitely supposed to be about, you know, steel and metal, it, it, it totally throws things off. You just don't understand. I don't. <laughs> I don't. Well, that takes us into track seven, uh, "Pleasure Slave." Um, so, this is this is only on the U.S. version of the album. Um, I don't think it was released on anything else, and I can kind of see why. Like to be honest, this is just bollocks. Like this is this is too stupid to be bothered and offended by. To be honest, like it's it it is almost. Spinal Tap smell the glove lever, le- level, you know, like where yes. where it is so goofy and so offensive that it's past the point of being offensive and it wraps back around to just being almost self-parody and stupid. <laughs> you know, you're right. Absolutely 100% right. I'm listening to this song and I'm getting uncomfortable and I'm not someone who gets uncomfortable very easy. Yeah. And and it's just like between the sounds of, of the females having sex and, and the lyrics of literal bondage, this song is disturbing. I mean, there's no other way about it. I can and, see why it was left off of every other version. Like Well the, the here's the funny thing. It was put it was left on the American version where America is the most conservative country in the world and the rest of the world, which is a lot more open. No, no, we're just going to leave this off. That didn't make any sense to me. But it here's the reason why it was left off in other countries. It's not a good song. <laughs> oh, that, that too. Oh, crap. You know, every, every album in Japan has a bonus track. Okay. We decided to put the bonus track on the American one and it's not a song that we want to hear. <laughs> true god leave it off (laughs) so yeah we're docking two points for that one so two (laughs) well i don't know how like we don't have a point system so i just said whatever the point system is the song just trashed it (laughs) (laughs) yes all right so that takes us to track eight uh hail and kill um now i almost thought this was electric eye starting up like I, I looked over and I was like, "This is am I on the right? Still, still on the right album?" Um, but of the two tracks, "Copen" by Ross the Boss, this is the better one, and it has a kind of like proto-Viking metal sound that would become more of a thing with other bands. They, they I mean, Man of War definitely was an influence on a lot of other bands, so uh, you can't take that away from them whatsoever. Um, the solo is solid as always. And honestly, one of the best on the album. I think this is one of the better tracks on the album, period. I I think this song is pretty cool. Um, 
so you know the first minute and 25 seconds is an acapella ballad you know it's got some piano accompaniment but it kicks in at that point and then the chorus is pretty cool the main part of the song has a cool chug to it um it's got that typical man of war storytelling lyrics but it's it's a pretty cool song i mean i like it yeah I, I, like i said i think it's one of the better tracks on the album period and um it leads into number nine the warrior's prayer um, so this is a spoken word story with British, a British grandson and a Welsh grandfather, of all things, um, talking about how men of war are the metal kings. Now, what did you think about this one? <laughs> ah. Spoken word passage between a grandfather and his grandson telling a story of four horsemen and their battle as the metal kings. That's my line right here. <laughs> <laughs> I did not steal that from you. <laughs> you know, I did not read that you put Welsh and British child. Um, it, it's it is what it is. I mean, it's it's a story. I mean, it's an interlude between you know leading into the last song. It's pretty cool. I mean, you you can't knock it. It's just a, it's literally just a straight up story. You know, obviously fictional, but it's pretty cool. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I just, I just laugh because it's, it's clearly auto, autobiographical, and it's just, it's just funny. Like Man of War are the Metal Kings. Oh yeah. Um. So all right. So that brings us to to the final track of the album, Blood of the Kings. Uh, my favorite part of this song, honestly. It's, it just brings joy to me for some reason, is Eric Adams naming every country he knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually... He only knows those? <laughs> it's, it's actually a really fun riff, and uh, this has got to be great at a concert. Like This has got to be a great song at any concert because you know their name in the 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 every every country every you know city whatever and he's got to throw the city name in there and it's just it's just one of those fun ones that i imagine is probably a show closer or something like that um i i thought it was pretty fun so the the main riff of this song is pretty cool um so this song was the first to feature lyrics that included references to the first six albums that Man of War released. So I, I don't know if they did that again in between that album in 1988 and the latest release, um, which the, the title of the latest single that they just came out with is called, and forgive me, my German friends, um, Laut und Hart Stark und Schnell. Um, but th- that song also contains lyrics that reference the first nine Man of War albums, uh, and then their eleventh. So for some reason they left out the tenth one. Um, so it doesn't mention Gods of War, but uh, it, it it's very unique way that they have incorporated their song, their album titles into this song. Um, you know, it's clever. That's for sure. Uh, the song though has over a two minute ending, including a seven second pause at the 536 mark. And then from that point forward, it, it is literally like the end of a concert. You know, it's just, you know, drums, guitars, you know, rolling cymbals and all that shit. You know, I, 
I mean, it's it's almost like they're in the studio and they were playing this song like they were in concert and they were they didn't have any way to finish it other than let's just go two minutes before we you know finish the song. <laughs> I think that's unnecessary because the song itself is pretty pretty cool, you know. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the but then last it's Manowar. It's so album. over the top. Yeah, it, that's kind of what I was gonna say. Is it just you know it's the closing out. Um, you know they're not the only ones who've ever done something like that. So, it, it, it's not bad. It's not. It's not necessary. It's not anything that really bothers me either. So, so what do you think of this album? Honestly, I think it's a lot better than Fighting the World. Um, it's a little bit more cohesive. There's there's definitely some some spots that I could skip. Um, Sting of the Bumblebee pleasure slave uh, you could leave those out and it would be a much better album to me um but wheels of fire kings of metal um heart of steel is all right it, it's passable um but you know hail and kill blood of the kings i think they're all really good tracks and for the most part i think it's a step up in a lot of the instrumentation it kind of goes back a little bit to the stuff that came before it's not quite as commercial as as fighting the world so i like it a, a bit better so i never fully listened to this album before i did the research for the for this episode so and i'm glad i did because it gave me ample opportunity to listen to it in in depth and it's definitely a good album um, f- the the thing better than I give it credit for the the thing between the two albums for me is I have that nostalgia factor that's going that's in in favor of fighting the world, but I have to step back and 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 look at it and say okay, so what does fighting the world have compared to this album? This album is strong in many areas, you know, and it's weak in others as we've mentioned. So you know you've got things that are unnecessary on this album. Um, a, to me, there's more unnecessary things on this album than there are on Fighting the World. Um, it's almost like you know, there's there's a lot of interludes, although there were two on Fighting the World. One completely unnecessary, where the where the second one on Fighting the World, which is the, the second to last track, actually kind of really just blends into the last track. The the whole Drums of Doom just relatively pointless to me, um, but. I, I'm trying to take out the nostalgia factor from from this whole point, and so I'm gonna go in and say for me, I'm gonna give the edge just, just slightly to Kings of Metal, uh, just because I think, like you said, cohesively it's a little bit better, um, but I the nostalgia factor really really weighs heavy for me on Fighting the World. Gotcha. All right. Well, that brings us to today's big four, which is the big four Manowar songs. Um, so I know you didn't really do a lot of listening to Manowar uh, growing up at all, really. Um, I mean, I, he- I, I heard them and it, it wasn't like I was, uh, you know, oblivious to them, but it wasn't one that I really went out of my way to listen to. There there were specific songs that I thought were absolutely great. It made me listen to the albums, but it was never one that I really took off on. 
and I and I, I hear that. You know, I like I said, I didn't pay much attention to him after Triumph of Steel came out, and then I heard Warriors of the World. I thought it was pretty cool, but for the most part, I've never really paid a lot of attention. Only knew that they were very big out in Europe, especially in in Eastern Europe. Um, I, I got to say this. Look, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to us in Europe. Um, I don't mean, and you don't. I mean, we 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 do this show in jest. We don't mean to disparage the band, if, because let me tell you this: if the people out there, or people listening in general in the United States or all over the world, whatever, if they don't understand the the cheesiness of Man of War, or they don't, they, they they're offended by the fact that we're <laughs> we're saying this on the show, then I'm sorry and I apologize. But for those who get it. And understand it, they completely understand where we're coming from on 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 this on this episode. So hopefully, you know, we haven't offended too many people tonight because, you know, Man of War is pretty uh, pretty fun and out there and cheesy. <laughs> but there are other cheesy bands too. Uh, you can't get offended by by you know having different opinions on music. Well, no, but there's going to be some dude out there who's in the middle of you know. Uh, uh, What's, what countries out there? You know, let me let's just say Romania. Who's listening to this episode? He goes, "Damn it, Kenneth Dean!" You know, "Damn it, Chris K." I think they'll be more offended by your <laughs> accent. <there>. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you know, you sit out there going, "Man of War's rules." You know, "Death to false metal." You know, <laughs> it's just it's it's all. Joey DeMeo has been waiting for this episode. <laughs> Joey are they, they going to talk about us? Joey- Joey DeMeo's gonna fucking hate us after this one. <laughs> uh, anyway, for for Man of War fans out there, if you haven't heard the Joey DeMeo podcast, it is a, quite a listen. <laughs> if, if, it, 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 he's not doing it currently, but he has like several episodes, and um, yeah, he's very high on himself and his band. So nothing there. Anyway, let's get back to the big four Man of War songs. Um, you weren't here last week, so um, Sklo and I did. Um, our big four concert experiences. He went first. So I'm going to go first this time, uh, just out of, you know, respect. I'll take it. I'll take it. So anyway, my big four man of war songs. Number four, black wind, fire and steel off of the fighting the world album. We spoke about it a little bit earlier. Um, I just, I really like the chorus. Uh, I think it's a really cool song. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, I I just like it. Um, number three off of Hail to England, the song "Kill with Power." Now, I in the in the early '80s when this song came out, I had no idea who Man of War was, but somehow, somewhere along the way, I heard this song at some place I was at. I don't. I, I have no idea. And just the whole chorus, you know, the whole kill with power. However, you know, I don't want to scream because I'll just rip my vocal cords out. Um, I thought it was such a cool song. So uh, I definitely, definitely put this in my big four. Um, number two for me off the debut album, Battle Hymns, it's the song Battle Hymn. And um, it is preceded by the song we spoke about earlier, William's Tale. Uh, I think this is a really cool uh story behind it and it's 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 
if you listen to that album, you begin to understand where Manowar went with their storytelling on every album from that point forward. And this is one of the, the, the songs where it very, very descriptively depicts a a a battle, you know, much like we've seen on Game of Thrones or we've seen on Vikings, uh, if, if any of us watch those shows, um, and things like that, you know, and it's I think it's really cool. Uh, but for me, my favorite song for, for Man of War, and I know you're not going to like this, is Defender. Uh, it is the Fighting the World version. I really, really enjoy that song a lot. There is some emotion behind it in my from, from my personal life, so it means a lot to me. I like that song. Well, I actually, I love that, that song. song by any means. I, I I just thought that the vocal line being you know in tandem with the Orson Welles spoken part was a little weird, but I, I didn't think it was a bad song by any means. So you know, pretty good list. Don't try honestly. to don't try to cover your tracks now. <laughs> cover my it would be covering my tracks if I said Pleasure Slave was you know not a bad song or something. That's, wait, that's not your number one song. This, all four of my songs actually oh it takes a yeah you know it's it's a long song yeah <laughs> it's brutally however long it is it's too long <laughs> yes um so my number four is blood of the kings off of kings of metal um uh, something about that the song like i like the riff itself but something about also just naming every country is just funny to me and it's something about it like i just have always liked it um my number three is hail and kill off of kings of metal i think it's a great song um you know like i said you can tell that a lot of bands really took inspiration from this kind of proto viking metal stuff and uh ran with it and and i i think it's kind of um impressive of man of war or man of war sorry um to have influenced so many other bands too and i can feel that so i like this track a lot um my number two i can't remember where you placed this one i think maybe as four was black wind fire and steel um awesome song great way to end that album definitely the best song uh in my opinion off of fighting the world and my number one, I think, was your number two, Battle Hymn. Um, this was one of the first uh, songs from Manowar that stuck with me, and I've always really liked it. Um, recently, um, who was it that did a cover? Uh, 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 Beast in Black did a cover of Battle Hymn. It's really awesome. Who did they? Yes. I got to hear that. Um, so, yes, definitely check that out. Um but yeah, like really some great songs from this band. I know I made fun of them through part of it, um, but definitely one that um, they've made their their what's what what how am I trying to say this? Um, they've made, they've their, made mark their mark in in metal, and there's no taking away from that. Um, you know, there I, I said this to a friend that. Um, kind of said something like he can't listen to Man of War anymore because of you know Carl Logan um, and I, I would disagree with that like I I think it's it's all too important for us to separate the art from the artist um, because unfortunately there I don't think there's anybody out in the world that hasn't done something bad and the fact is there we 
let me rephrase that because I don't want to minimize anything that this guy did. But the uh, the rest of the band doesn't deserve to suffer for something that this guy did either. So I think you know, not listening to Man of War, maybe you can pick the earlier eras and listen to that still or the stuff that came later but i'm i just don't think it's right to to you know take away from the other guys for something that somebody else did well i mean think about it i mean he he was not involved at at certain points yeah of their career you know especially specifically the stuff that we were talking about tonight and anything older yes so you know you, you, there's a whole career there of six albums, seven albums that he's not a part of. True. Uh, so the fact that you know you, you can you, you're going to sit there and say, "Well, I can't listen to him anymore because he's involved." Well, listen to all the older stuff because that's all the cool shit. Really, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. Um, it's one of those things where I very very few things. I'm going to sit there and say, I, "I can't listen to that." Like. You know, I, I'm not going to get into politics or anything like that, but there's certain bands out there that, you know, I don't like certain people in the bands and I don't care what they have to say, but I still like the music, you know? And yeah, I agree. I've, you know, shit, there's bands out there right now that are, that are fighting within themselves because of politics. And, you know, I still listen to them. So whatever. All right. Well, that's our big four Man of War songs for today. And let me remind everyone that if you can, Please like or subscribe to the show on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And while you're there, leave us a rating or some comments so you can tell us how you feel about the show. And don't forget you can interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. YouTube viewers, click subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when we post a new episode. So remember to tune in next week when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya.